Psalm 87 is a psalm to be sung by the sons of Korah. And if you'll notice the first verse, it says, His foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loveth the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. So we find that the very first thing they sing about is the holy mountains. And it says the foundation is in the holy mountains. By the way, the sons of Korah were keepers of the gates, First Chronicles 9, verse 19. And so we talk about the foundation of Zion. The earthly Zion, Jerusalem, was typical of the spiritual Zion, the church, and also the heavenly Zion. So the Bible teaches that we have the local church today where God dwells. And the Bible teaches also that there is a heavenly Jerusalem. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, it says, But you are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, and to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and the spirits of just men made perfect. So we find that this foundation of this mountain... The Lord loveth the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. We find that the foundation of Zion is typical of the spiritual Zion, the church, and also the heavenly Zion. Uh, the gates of Zion were God's people assembled to worship. They're more blessed than the, to the Lord than the homes where the people lived. Look at this. It says in verse 2, The Lord loveth the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Did you know the house of God is more blessed than any place that I know of? We read in a psalm just previous, uh, the Psalm 84, verse 10 says, For a day in thy courts is better than the thousand. A day in God's courts is better than the thousand. I can't understand why some people don't want to go to church, do you? One day in the house of God. He says, one day in thy courts is better than the thousand. And then you find people that want to lay out a church just for no particular reason. I can understand when you're sick, when you have providentially hindered, when you have something that comes up. Well, uh, there's, there's differences. By the way, before I get forget it, let's pray for Reba Jean Luck. And uh, I didn't mean to slide it. It didn't work out. At least you asked me for prayer. A friend of ours that had surgery. But we'll remember that. Uh, so, the place where God's people assemble, more blessed to the Lord than the homes, Home is sweet, but the place of worship is sweeter to the Lord. His, his uh, presence is there. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of it. It doesn't mean that God's not in our homes. It doesn't mean that He shouldn't be. In fact, He certainly should be. And He is in Christian homes. It doesn't mean that uh, we cannot uh, have family worship and worship in our homes and serve God in our homes and draw close to God and read our Bibles and pray. But God has some special blessing about assembling together. And that's why the Bible says, Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. So we need to assemble together. And uh, we find that the Bible says, Unto Him be glory in the church throughout all ages, world without end. Where is Christ's glory seen? Ephesians 3, verse 21. Unto Him be glory in the church throughout all ages. I think uh, I heard an evangelist one time. They had a meeting over here in Almagorda, and I went over there. And uh, he was one of these hotshot type of evangelists that just thought, you know, he had the whole thing figured out. 
And he said, you know, the Lord's through with the church. I said, oh, wait a minute. Through with the church, he says, he just deals on an individual basis now. And people go out here and they preach from here to there, you know, and he just works with individuals. I said, listen, the Lord will never, to myself, I didn't tell him that. I just thought, I'd sit back and listen for once. And so, I said to myself, that fellow said, the Lord's through the church. And Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the last word of the Lord was that this church, this church is going to stand. Every local individual congregation that's true to God's word will stand. And the churches will be in existence when, when Jesus comes again. We may not be what we ought to be. And we'll probably be reproved as many of the... the uh, uh, condemnations in the book of Revelation in the letters to the seven churches, but also commended for those things that are good because the Lord is just and He tells us what's wrong and He tells us what's right. But on the other hand, and we'll see a need for improvement, but He's still going to be with you. Under the angels, the messengers of the seven churches of Asia, write these things. And He gave us uh, examples by picking out those seven uh, special and particular places. So the gates of Zion. His foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loveth the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Now look at verse 3. <coughs> Glorious things are spoken of thee, O city of God. Selah. It's a famous city. By the way, it's not Rome, but Jerusalem. This famous city is, is the place where God is going to... There was a, There's the earthly Jerusalem, the place where God dwelt in the Old Testament. There was... A, the Jerusalem of Christ's day, and there's going to be a new Jerusalem, a heavenly Jerusalem. In the book of Revelation, chapter 21, it says, And I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Won't that be a blessed time? Tears of sorrow, tears of bereavement, like we've just uh, shed, many of us, and I'm sure many are shedding today, right now, concerning that little boy that passed away. Tears of, of trials, tears of, of uh, troubles that we have, uh, all kinds of tears. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. Neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. I'd like that, because I know most of us have pains. I've said before that uh, if I were to take a toll of this congregation, I would say that to venture to say that most people sitting in the congregation now have some kind of pain somewhere and in some way. And you may say, well, I feel pretty good. Yes, but think what it'll be to be completely free of all pain. Some people have pain just by sitting in the pew because they, they can't sit very long. I, I really mean it. So there's actually pain that exists. And God says it's going to all disappear. And so the famous city, the city of God, glorious things are spoken of thee, O city of God, Selah. What do you think of that? Stop. Rest. Um, in verse 4, notice. <coughs> it says, I will make mention of Rahab, and Babylon to them that know me, behold Philistia and Tyre and with Ethiopia, this man was born there. Some say it means this man was born again there. 
and Zion, and of Zion it shall be said, This and that man was born in her, and the highest himself shall establish her. A city of great honor. And her former enemies are brought under subjection. Remember, these are enemies of, of uh, God's people. And they're brought under subjection. All, there will be a day that all of God's enemies will bow before him. And then verse 6, if you'll look at it. It says, The Lord shall count when he rideth up the people that this man was born there, Selah. The Lord shall count when he rideth up the people. The Lord has a register. He writes up the people. There's a divine accounting. God keeps a register of names. Remember he told the ones that went away, uh, after the apostles, after they went uh, to... Uh, and the 70, after they went away uh, ministering, and he sent them to, to preach the gospel and to heal the sick and cleanse the lepers and, and work the miracles they worked. And when they came back, they rejoiced that even the demons were subject unto them. And Jesus said to them, Rejoice not that the spirits are subject to you, the demons are subject to you, but rather rejoice, now listen, what? Because your names are written in heaven. God has a register. God has a register. We was talking about the little boy a minute ago. Maybe uh, I'm sure his name is written in that register. Let me give you something that may be interesting. In the book of Nehemiah, chapter 7, when Nehemiah was uh, reckoning the genealogy, uh, in Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 5, it says, And God put into mine heart to gather together the nobles and the rulers and the people that they might be reckoned by genealogy. Now look at that. And I found a register of the genealogy of them which came up at the first and found written therein. And he goes on with the names and there's a whole, all uh, from verse 6 down to verse, verse uh, uh, 63. He calls out names. And verse 64 says, These sought their register among those that were reckoned by genealogy, but it was not found. Therefore were they as polluted put from the priesthood. Wouldn't it be an awful thing to seek your name among the register and it not be found? These sought their name among the register. We sang that song. As I said, all, everything seemed to just harmonize with what I was about to say tonight. We sang that song, When the roll is called up yonder. I'll be there. When the roll, the register, we're going to have uh, our names there. We want to find our names reckoned by genealogy, and we want them to be among the re- in the register. And so uh, we find that uh, there is a divine accounting, and God keeps account of the names. And the Bible tells us the books are going to be open one day to see whose names were found written in the Lamb's book of life. And I want you to notice verse 7 now in our song. Look at verse 7. It says, As well the singers as the, the, play, as the players on instruments shall be there. All my springs are in thee. Their rewards for the musicians and the singers who are inspired of the Lord. Isn't it wonderful to have people that sing and uh, bless our hearts with music? I remember one time uh, one of the prophets of old desired that he called, was it Elisha, that called for the minstrel before he would make a decision? You know, he was troubled. He, he was really on the verge of just telling them what he thought because they had not sought God before. These kings, one of the kings was really away from God. Was it Jehoshaphat, I think, I'm reminded of. But anyway, 
uh, he, he, he asked for a, a minstrel. And after the minstrel played, he, he gave them the message. And he says, well, if it was not for uh, Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't regard anything. But he says, uh, God has a message for you. And God's message for them was at that time was to make this valley full of ditches. He says, dig, dig ditches in this valley, and you'll not... They were in straight. They had no water for the, themselves or the host, you know. And they were out on a battlefield. And they, they had all the implements of war, but nothing to, to provide. You know, you can have all the greatest machinery in the world, and if God doesn't provide the real necessities, you're in trouble. And so they were dying of thirst. And so uh, Elisha gave them the message, and he said, what did he say? He said, make this valley full of ditches. And he says, you'll not see wind nor rain, but this valley shall be filled with water. And it was filled with water. That night, with, uh, without wind or rain, God sent water down from above. And the enemy looked upon that water and saw as the sun came across it red as blood. And they thought that they, thought that they had the victory over their, uh, Israel. And so they went after them. And about that time, well, uh, things changed, didn't they? And Israel won the victory. Because God has a way of, of changing things. And uh, He rewards the musicians and the singers who are inspired of the Lord. And I get a great deal of inspiration when I hear the good music, Christian music. I love the, uh, the music that Brother Jim sings, Brother Ron, and the brethren of the church, and, and the ladies, Vicki and Sheila, and different ones. Uh, Michael, he sings so so good. I'd love to hear Michael sing. And uh, anyway, all of them, every one of them that sing, are, uh, bless our hearts. And the things they sing, and I love the old songs, the old songs of the, the hymn books that we have. Are You Washed in the Blood? That was a good song. When the roll is called up yonder, we sing Sweet Hour of Prayer. We sing uh, The Old Rugged Cross. We sing Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me, Let Me Hide Myself in Thee. We sing a song that says, Could my tears forever flow? Could my zeal no longer know? These for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. There's some wonderful songs and there's great messages in them. And so the rewards as well, the singers as the players on instruments shall be there. All my springs are in thee. And then we come to Psalm 88. Look at Psalm 88. This is a song of sorrow by Heman the Ezraite. You find him in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse uh, 31, as well as the next psalm. You'll find Ethan the Israelite uh, uh, also in 1 Kings 4, verse 31, where you have the record of him. And this psalm might well be entitled, The Prayer of a Dying Saint. Now notice in verse 1, it says, O Lord God of my salvation, I cried, I have cried day and night before thee. Look at that. O God of my salvation. He claimed the God of salvation. You know, there's only one Savior. The Bible says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We can't save ourselves. An angel won't save us. Mother or father won't save us. Preacher won't save us. Priest won't save us. Church won't save us. Jesus is the one and only Savior. We put our faith in Him who died for us on the cross of Calvary. And then, notice in this same verse, it's a continuous prayer. He says, O God, Lord God of my salvation, I have cried day and night before Thee. He prayed day and night. A continuous prayer. Psalm 22, verse 2 says, In the daytime and in the night season, 
Day and night. Psalm 55, verse 17. Let me read this for you. Psalm 55 and verse 17. Look at this. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray, and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. When do we pray? All the time. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray, and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Remember Daniel? He was in the habit of praying morning, noon, and evening. And the Bible says when the decree went out that he should not pray to any god other than the, the king, what did he do? The Bible says Daniel went as aforetime, his habit, his window being open toward Jerusalem, and he prayed to the God of heaven. And you know that's exactly what we ought to do. Just keep on doing what God leads us to do. Not for a show, or not because we want to impress anyone, or not because uh, that someone says you can't do it, but because God says that's the way we should live. People take notice of it, that's fine. If they don't know anything about it, it's still fine. Just like Brother Randy said, they had the children in the parade and had the banners on the side of the truck and everything, and somebody asked them the question, I didn't know there's anyone at that church working. Alicia said, well, we have a pastor and an associate pastor. You know, you don't have to know everything that goes on in this church. But we had a full house this morning, didn't we? And we got a pretty good congregation here tonight. And we love every one of you. And you know, we, if we get them all together, we wouldn't have room to sit them, uh, be seated. So the thing about it is, uh, you know, you don't have to do to impress people. We're not here to make the news the paper. In fact, it's not worth making half the time. <laughs> Because, if you'll notice, it's just about that thick. There's nothing in it hardly anymore. Well, anyway, I shouldn't talk like that, maybe. Maybe I better repent right now. Okay, notice verse 2. It was an earnest plea. He says, Let my prayer come before thee. Incline thine ear unto my cry. Look at that. Incline thine ear. It was very earnest. This is a, a song of sorrow. And yet it was in earnest. Let my prayer come before thee. Incline thine ear unto my cry. You know, the Bible says that God's ears open. He is ready to hear the cry of His children. It was an earnest plea. And verses 2 through 9, the reason for prayer. Here's the reason for His prayer. Look at verse 2. Uh, 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 verses 3 through 9, I should say. It says, For my soul is full of troubles. Troubles is one reason for prayer, isn't it? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. No wonder we should pray to Him. Uh, and this is a need and a reason for prayer when trouble comes. Psalm 46, verse 1. Psalm 27, in verse 5. Let me read this one for you. It says, For in the time of trouble He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. That's a good answer to your prayer, isn't it? What, is, what are you going to do in time of trouble? He's not only our refuge and strength in time of trouble, but it says, in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in his tent, in his tabernacle. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. There's no better hiding place than the be found that in the time of trouble you can hide yourself in the Lord. Remember old Moses when the trouble when he wanted to see God's glory, God says, Well, Moses, he says, I can't show you. No man shall see my face and live. He says, But when my glory passes by, I'll hide you in the cliff of the rock. And so we sing the song, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. And that's where we hide. 
we hide from the from the holiness of a righteous and holy God because we cannot stand before God in our own and God has provided Christ for us as a mediator and through our great high priest we have mediation and we have our prayers offered up to God and and answer to every need and one day it will be possible out of this veil of flesh that we will see him face to face because we'll be able to so but right now, in times of trouble, where is a better place to be hidden? Now, back in our Psalm 88, look at it. Psalm 88 and verse, uh, uh, where were we? Verse 3. And my life draweth nigh unto the grave. This is another reason to pray. I said the reason for prayer. There's about eight things here from verses uh, 3 through 9. Eight things that I want to give you. First is trouble. If you want to mark these, you can. Uh, for my soul is full of trouble, and my life draweth nigh unto the grave. Because death is near, we should call upon God. Because death is a reality. Because death is near. Sometimes we do not realize how near. I'm sure this little boy didn't realize it's near, and his family didn't realize it's near. Sometimes we just go through life and take it for granted, or think that we're just going to live forever. I hope we have many years. I hope every one of you do. I hope we have a long, happy life. And God's grace is extended in that way. But it may not be so. The Lord may call some of us home. And we do not know when. And the psalmist said, My life draweth nigh unto the grave. Death being a reality and death being near is a reason to pray. Then verse 4, look. I am counted with them that go down into the pit. He was counted as good as dead. But through Christ we have promise of the resurrection. Now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. And then his physical strength was gone. I am as a man that hath no strength. This is a reason to pray. We have no strength in ourselves. Paul says, for when I am weak, then I am made strong. Then I am strong. He said, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Some people think that they have to have all... We mentioned it, I think, in our last psalm. They think they have to have all the power of the Holy Spirit at one time. But we only need... We only have to have the power that we need for the moment. That's all, we, that's all we need. If you have to do great things, God will give you greater power. And you know Moses was one individual leader, and God's Spirit was upon him, but when he divided among all the, the uh, elders of Israel, God took of Moses' Spirit and distributed to them. There was still the same amount of power to provide for all the needs of Israel, but it was distributed. And Moses had it all. And he started complaining, it's too great a people for me to be pastor over, so I'm going to have to have some more people. And God said, all right, I'll give you some more. He said, but I'm going to diminish your power. I'm going to take part of that and give it to these. And he distributed his spirit to the other. God's grace is sufficient for us in all things. And so his physical strength was gone. Look at this. In verse uh, uh, 5, it says, Free among the dead. <coughs> All the responsibilities of life are gone. Paul says, for, to, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Free among the dead like the slain that lie in the grave. Brother, when, when the time comes that you're gone out of this life, all the responsibilities, all the opportunities, everything is gone. It says, whom thou rememberest no more. He thought he was forgotten of God. God will never forget us. He says, can a maid forget her armaments? says, can a woman forget her sucking child? She may forget the, the child of her womb, but he says, God will not forget. 
God remembers. And God will not forget. It says, though they may, it's very unlikely that a mother will forget her child. It's, and in fact, it's contrary to all that the feelings of human kindness and nature. But it does happen. It has happened. But God will never forget. He's not man. He's not human. He's real. He's, he's always remembering us. Don't ever think God will forget you. Look at Psalm 37, verse 28. Psalm 37 and verse 28. Notice what it says here. It says, For the Lord loveth judgment, and forsaketh not his saints. He doesn't forsake us. They are preserved forever. He will not forget. And then back in our Psalm 88, where we're studying Another thing, he accuses the Lord of harsh treatment. Sometimes, and even though God did not treat him harshly, it says in verse 6, Thou hast laid me in the lowest pit in darkness in the deeps. Thy wrath lieth hard upon me, and thou hast afflicted me with all thy ways. You ever accuse God of harsh treatment when you're in trials? Sometimes when you're depressed, you say, God, why have you caused this? Well, God didn't cause a lot of it. Sometimes we bring troubles upon ourselves. In fact, most of the troubles that we have, we cause. Have you ever noticed that sometimes when someone else does something that causes you to have a, a problem, then you don't blame yourself for not being mindful enough of it. You blame them for causing you to have the problem. You say, well, if they hadn't have done this, I wouldn't have had to do that. Well, that's right. You, you know, in, in a chain of uh, sequence that happens, events that happen. Sometimes that's the case. But still, you had the responsibility during that time when these other things were happening to, to be mindful enough to take care of the situation. So we can't always blame someone else. It's like an automobile accident or something. You take the person may bump into you and you see them coming. Well, you, you should have got out of the way. You know, there's a lot of things sometimes you can do. Say, well, I didn't have time. Well, don't blame them for it. You know, you can't blame everybody for everything. Things do happen. So, uh, he was accusing the Lord of harsh treatment. Look in the verse 8. It, it also is charging the Lord with actions of his friends. He says, Thou hast put away mine acquaintance from, far from me. Now, God doesn't put our, our acquaintance far from us. Sometimes our acquaintance are separated from us for other reasons, right? Thou hast put away mine acquaintance uh, far from me. Thou hast made me an abomination to them. I am shut up, and I cannot come forth. Sometimes we think of, of friends. Someone says, I don't have any friends. Well, whose fault is it that you don't have any friends? Is it someone else's fault? Is it because they don't like you? The Bible says, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And it says, there is a friend that sticketh closer than the brother. But a man that's going to have friends, you've got to be friendly. And if you're not friendly, you're not going to have many friends. It just, it just stands to reason. In verse 9, Mine eye mourneth by reason of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon thee. I have stretched out my hands unto thee. He thinks that the Lord is indifferent to his earnest prayers. You know, do you ever think that God is indifferent to your prayers? Look at that verse. I have called daily upon thee. I have stretched out my hands unto thee. In Isaiah chapter 59 and verse Two, it says, But your iniquity... Well, let's read verse 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. 
God can always hear, but He says, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. So, when we have sin, it breaks fellowship with God. And the only thing we can do and the best thing to do if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now let's drop on down to the next verse. Psalm 88 and verse 10. It says, Wilt thou show wonders to the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise thee? By the way, the dead will arise and praise Him. The dead will arise. Look in Psalm, not Psalm, but Isaiah 26 and verse 19. Isaiah 26, verse 19 says, Thy dead men shall live together with my dead body. Shall they arise, awake, and sing? They'll arise and awake and sing, ye that dwell in the dust. For thy dew is the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. There's going to be a time that the dead will come forth from the graves, and they will be made to praise God. But the psalmist didn't think so. Psalm 88 Verse 10, Will thou show wonders to the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise thee? Yes, they shall. Selah. Verse 11. Look at verse 11. It says, uh, Shall thou loving kindness be declared in the grave, or thy, thy faithfulness in destruction? And we know that uh, the land of forgetfulness is not the la- uh, land and destiny of the saints of God because they go into place where God is. Uh, uh, Paul said to depart and to be with Christ is far better. Jesus said to the repentant thief, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. So the destiny of his children is different. And then look at verse uh, 13. But unto thee have I cried, O Lord, and in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. Unto thee have I cried. In verse 14, Lord, why castest thou off my soul? Why hidest thou thy face from me? He thought he was cast off. Do you ever think of be- being cast off? Do you ever think of being separated from God? When God, when the Lord's Word says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, the Lord is my helper, I shall not fear what man shall do to me. You'll not be cast off. But a lot of people fear that they are cast off. It's a lack of faith, isn't it? A lack of trusting in God. It says, Why castest off thou my soul? Why hidest thou thy face from me? Look at verse 15. I am afflicted and ready to die from my youth up. He thought his affliction was of a long duration. From my youth up. You know, when we were young, some of you still are. When we were young, we thought that, uh, you know, all the sun was shining on our lives and everything good. And then when we get older, if we get in a sorrowful state like this psalmist, we say, I've been afflicted from my youth up. You know, it's been a long time I've had this affliction. We look back and we don't see the days of joy and sunshine and blessings and all the things that God has done for us. That's the wrong way to look at it, isn't it? I'm thankful for every day. I'm thankful for life as I have it now. And I'm thankful for every day as it comes and goes. And and I'm I'm, uh, certainly grateful the Lord has permitted me to still be here in this world and to to, uh, preach. I told Sharon yesterday, I said, I've... I'm studying, getting ready to preach. I said, that if the Lord wouldn't let me preach, I don't know what I would do. I just don't know what I would do. And so uh, that's what I want to do. That's what I try to do. Verse 16. Well, verse 15. While I suffer thy terrors, I am distracted. He thinks he's suffering God's fierce wrath. 
Thy fierce wrath goeth over me. Thy terrors have cut me off. Look at verse 17. They came round about me daily like water. They compassed me about together. Don't ever get in the state of mind that you think everything is against you. That's a bad thing. Because you need to get in the state of mind that you think that you know everything is for you. That the Bible says that. And we know that what? All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who they are called according to his purpose. Remember old Jacob of old, he says, all these things are against me. He says, Joseph is not, uh, Simeon is not, and you will take Benjamin away. Well, none of it was true. Joseph was still living to preserve life. Simeon was only held down there so that he'd bring Benjamin, and Benjamin was finally going to go, and, and, and Jacob would finally be brought down, and when he saw the wagons, his heart was revived, and he says, Joseph, my son, is alive. See, sometimes when we think everything's against us, God is just working it out for us. These sad state of affairs are a state of mind that we get into when we lack faith. The Bible says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, now listen, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. See, if you have faith, you'll have perfect peace of mind. The Lord will speak peace unto his people. It says in Psalm 86, I believe, verse 5 or 85, verse 6. Uh, let me look, make sure that I know which one it is. Verse 8, 85, verse 8. I will, I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. Peace comes by hearing God's word. The last thought now, I want you to notice. In verse 18, lover and friend... Hast thou put far from me, and mine acquaintance in darkness? You know, he said, thought he was forsaken of loved ones and friends. And when we get in despair, remember that Jesus suffered more than all of us. That Jesus suffered the loss of friends and his brethren. His brethren did not believe in him. The Bible says he came into his own, his own received him not. But he, thank God he said, as many as received him.